This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the provision of faith and hope and love. Pray help us to receive these fully, live boldly, and look forward to the day in which we hear you say, well done, and enter into your eternal joy. In Jesus' name, amen. So the two scriptures read today are pretty much about the same thing, which is how to live right now with an eye on eternity. The first reading from chapter 5 of Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica addresses their questions about Jesus' return as king and judge and how to live in the present. We'll unpack that later. The second scripture from chapter 25 of Matthew's gospel presents Jesus' famous teaching about the talents. This parable was part of a larger set of teaching that Jesus gave on the Mount of Olives, and it all concerns his return as king and judge. What should the disciples do now? We'll see that in a moment. The question being, how do we live now with an eye on eternity? This is a very timely question for us, and I'll let Screwtape explain why. If you haven't read C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, um, you have to imagine a senior tempter, a baddie, a demon, called Screwtape, who's advising his young nephew, Wormwood, on how to lead humanity astray. So the, the voice is from the other side. So Screwtape writes, when, write, when Screwtape writes our enemy, he's actually talking about our Lord, but he's writing from, from hell. So Screwtape writes, the humans live in time, but our enemy destines them for eternity. He, therefore, I believe, wants them to attend chiefly to two things, to eternity itself, or to that point of time which they call the present either meditating on their eternal union with or separation from himself, or else obeying the present voice of conscience, bearing the present cross, receiving the present grace, giving thanks for the present pleasure. Our business is to get them away from the eternal and from the present. It is far better to make them live in the future. His, God's, ideal is a man who, having worked all day for the good of posterity, if that is his vocation, washes his mind of the whole subject, commits the issue to heaven, and returns at once to the patience or gratitude demanded by the moment that is passing over him. But we want a man hag-ridden by the future, haunted by visions of an imminent heaven or hell upon earth ready to break the enemy's commands in the present, if by so doing we make him think he can attain the one or avert the other. 
the same point. C.S. Lewis making the very biblical point that God wants us looking at him at eternity and living our life before him in the present. Screwtape wants us peering anxiously into a future that doesn't exist, ignoring God in the present. He wants us haunted by the future. And we are. How does an unknown future haunt you now? I can think of various scenarios. I can think of beloved high school seniors haunted by the fear of applying to the wrong college, choosing the wrong course, not getting in, not being enough. I can think of singles haunted by the fear of not meeting anyone ever or being undesired or having their hearts broken. I can think of couples, engaged couples, haunted by not being enough for the relationship or maybe not enough to sustain a marriage. I can think of married couples haunted by the dangers and responsibilities of starting a family. I can think of parents haunted by the potential consequences of their choices or their kids' choices, of workers haunted by the risks of trying to find a better job or being trapped in their current one. And so it goes on without even thinking about the greater social fears and global catastrophes. And screw tape smiles as we are haunted by an unknown future, an anxious, bitter, fearful in the present. Whereas, Jesus and Paul call us back to the present moment and encourage us live, to live well now in the light of eternity. How? How do we live well now with an eye on eternity? Here's my phrase. This is like the main point. This is the one thing. The phrase is this. What do we need to do to live well in the light of eternity? We need to get dressed for trading. Huh? Trading? What has trading got to do with it? Good question. Don't appreciate the tone. Trading. You can forget images of what you might want to wear on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Those smart outfits can go back into the wardrobe of our imaginations. Why trading? And what has getting dressed got to do with anything? Well, we return to Matthew 25. And Jesus said, For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Pause. That's a lot of money. So as a unit of currency, a talent was worth about 6,000 denarii. And if a denarius is the usual payment for a day's labor, 6,000 divided by what? 300 days a year. That's 16 years of labor. One talent, 16 years of labor. That's a lot of money. Two talents, five talents. This man, this master, is taking quite a risk giving this amount of money to his servants. Carry on the story. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. So what did the heroes of this parable do? They traded their talents. Trading, that's scary, that's risky, that's potential loss, and it's potential gain. They gave away in exchange for something more valuable. Now, does anyone remember the, uh, the trade-up game, or bigger and better? Like 2000-ish, we're thinking here. It was popular back in the day. And there was a guy called Kyle McDonald. 
who started with a red paperclip, a red paperclip, and he traded it for a pen shaped like a fish, which he traded for a doorknob with a funny face on, which he traded for a camping stove, which he traded for an electric generator, on and on, until he gained a house, a red paperclip. You can Google Kyle McDonald TED Talk, but not now, put your phones away. He traded. It's scary, it's risky. You're giving something away in the hope that what you're getting back is more valuable. Does this remind us of any other teachings that Jesus gave? Back in 13, chapter 13 of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field, something more valuable. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Lost the money, got something more valuable. And in chapter 16 of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? For what will they give in return? for their life, trading, giving something away and gaining something more valuable. And this master led by example. He gave away his property to these servants in the hope of gaining something more valuable. And the first two servants followed his example. They followed his lead. What has God given us? There's that precious commodity of time physical, mental abilities, our money and resources, what might it look like to be led by God to give that away to him, to others, in the hope of gaining something more valuable? Have you ever given your time to some service project and concluded that time was actually better spent than it would have been elsewhere? Have you ever given your money to ascension and found that the peace, of joy, peace and joy of knowing that you are faithful to God's call was more valuable than the peace and joy you might have got spending the money elsewhere. Pledge cards, I believe, are due next week. And the message of Jesus' parable is that trading, this giving away in the hope of gaining something more valuable, is actually what God has been doing in giving himself away. And the reward for us is not just the reward in the present, but ultimately the most significant reward is in eternity. Hear those words, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Entering into the joy of God's presence now and always is the most valuable thing. So why don't we? Why do we hold on? Why don't we give away our time and our resources and our talents and our gifts? Why do we cling to them? Maybe all kinds of reasons, but surely a major one is fear. Fear. Fear of the future. Will I have enough? Will I have what I need? Will I get hurt? The future. And screw tape 
smiles. I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground, said the third slave. What are we reluctant to give to God? What do we hide? What are we afraid of? Fear is a grave digger. Fear is a grave digger. Fear drove the third slave to dig a hole for his talent. And as the parable unfolds, we see he's ultimately digging a grave for himself. But let's imagine a different ending. What if this third slave saw how well the other two were doing and he dug up his talent before the master was, was back? The master was still away. He sees how well the other two are doing. He digs up his talent. So he goes over to the other two and says, uh, Hi guys, um, so how do, you, how do you do this trading thing? It looks kind of risky to me. What would they say, these other two? They could say, I think you need to get dressed. Huh? I mean, look at you, covered in mud from your fearful digging. You need to get out of those fearful clothes and put on something much better. There's a slight kind of Pilgrim's Progress tone just kind of creeping in here. Um, so they say, yeah, get out of those muddy, fearful clothes. You've got to change and put on something much better. And the third guy says, like, what? And the two say, have you never read 1 Thessalonians 5? And the third guy said, look, I'm just a character in one of Jesus' parables that hasn't been written yet. And they say, relax, we'll read it to you. And this will help you change out of your fearful clothes and get you rest for trading. And they sit down and they, and they look down and there in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8, they read, since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Putting on faith and hope and love is how we get dressed for trading. And they say, hey guys, listen, you have the confidence to give your talent away in the hope of gaining something more valuable because you have faith in God's provision. You have hope for the future and you'll be motiva motivated by the love for the one who loved you and gave himself for you. And they read on 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9. For God has destined us not for wrath but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. So as we put on this breastplate of faith and love, we are putting on Christ and protecting our hearts. Jesus demonstrated his faith in the Father. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane and the impending crucifixion, and he's sweating blood, knowing what's going to happen, but he says, Father, your will be done. That's faith. He put on faith. Your will be done. He trusted. He put his faith in God. Your will be done. And on the third day, he was raised again to life. As you fear giving your talent away, put on faith and say, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. As you're putting on Christ, you're putting on love. We know Paul who had this amazing experience of Jesus on the Damascus Road, was always able to write afterwards, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's putting on Christ. 
He's reminding himself that Christ has loved me, given himself for me. I'm going to respond in love and in faith. And Paul, what a life given away. What about this helmet, this hope of salvation? We are looking forward to the master returning as we know that we have done what he has asked us to do. To give away our talents in exchange for something more valuable. And when we feel nervous, we remember that eternal joy, the eternal joy of God's presence is more valuable than anything that we could potentially lose now. The helmet of hope protects us so we can think clearly. As for you, put on a helmet, the hope of salvation, you're also putting on Christ who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. What was Christ looking forward to? What was his hope as he approached the cross? It was you, sharing his eternal joy with you. That is his hope. That is his joy. Through the cross, he made it possible for us to be forgiven, reconciled, and to enjoy eternal joy with him. So that whether awake or asleep, we might live with him. Now, I was very moved last Sunday um, hearing Alison Holt's testimony on our live stream as the provision video for last Sunday. And she accounts that rule. She tells a story about how after her cancer diagnosis, she was waiting, she was awake. She said, upon being woken by pain one night, I decided to just be still and listen. I very clearly heard the Lord whisper, I will be with you. Receive those words. Jesus says to all his disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Fear the future? Fear is a grave digger. Don't bury your talent. Receive Jesus' words. I am with you. Always. To the end of the age. Put on faith. And hope. And love. Pray your will be done. Thank you for loving me. And giving yourself for me. Get dressed. For trading. That is how we live in the present, with an eye on eternity. Final thought. So Jesus is teaching last week, this week, and next week, all part of this long sermon given on the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives are a bit like the um, Shenley Overlook, as in the Shenley Overlook you can kind of see downtown. And from the Mount of Olives you can see the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. But the Mount of Olives is also a bit like, for example, Allegheny Cemetery, because the Mount of Olives, I read the soil is kind of chalky and flinty, and it's not great for construction, but it's good for graves. So the disciples would have heard Jesus' parable of the, the wise and foolish um, bridesmaids. They would have heard the talent parable while seeing graves and while smelling olives. So I went to... Allegheny Cemetery, and I ate olives, and I looked at the tombstones, 
And the olives are the taste of the present. And I was in the presence of eternity as I saw the tombstone stretching away. And you might consider taking your fears and a Bible and maybe olives to a local cemetery and rereading today's scriptures. And while you're there, pray. Hear God say, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Put on faith and hope and love. Bury your fears. And go home. Knowing that Christ died for you. And whether you awake or asleep, you may live with him. Let's pray. Lord, we know the cost you paid to give yourself that you might share your joy with us. Pray, help us not to fear the future, but know that you are with us and help us live now in the present with an eye to eternity into that day in which you receive us home and say, well done. Enter the joy of your master. Fill us with faith and hope and love. In Jesus' name, amen.